August 10th, 2022. This is FOMO's a mofo, a video game collecting podcast. Coming up on today's episode, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 finally returns. New Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC drifts onto the Switch, and WWE 2K23 is announced. Welcome to FOMO's a Mofo, a video game collecting podcast, episode 21. I am your host, Blue Swim, and we are streaming on anchor.fm slash FOMO's a Mofo and other podcast providers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I have migrated the show over to a new home, and uh, it has beaten the ever-loving fuck out of me. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, basically, it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode. I've just had some other things going on. Really haven't had time or the energy to do the show and do everything I need to do to get the show rare and roll. Uh, So, I just basically went on summer break. And using that time, I also decided to migrate the show over to a podcast platform that isn't going to, um, well, basically hit me in the pocketbook every month. But yeah, basically the uh, transition over to the new, uh, the new home, if you will, uh, it was an unmitigated disaster, problem after problem. Uh, so if you've had any issues with the uh, with the show on any podcast platforms, you'll know why. It's it's basically because this thing has been just a fucking disaster. But. I'm still here, I'm still podcasting, and it's not going to cost me any money. <laughs> so, um, just bear with me, bear with the show if, you know, there's a few things that don't look right or don't sound right or anything like that. I'm still working out the kinks. Um, I know there have been some episodes that have disappeared off of Spotify. This is because the uh, episodes got imported twice because of some errors or something like that. Uh, gave me an error, then it actually went ahead with the importing. I don't know. Uh, essentially, uh, basically, Spotify kind of flagged it as spam because it was duplicate episodes, so I need to go through and remove the duplicates. So if you're looking for an old episode on Spotify and you can't find it, uh, it's coming eventually. Just bear with me a bit. Let's uh, get into the fun stuff, that being collecting news. And guess what? No ad break! All right, we're already off to a good start. Uh, so, today, Nintendo dropped the Splatoon 3 Direct. And, to be perfectly honest, it was about a half an hour long. And, I mean, if you're a hardcore Splatoon 2 player, you know, you'll see stuff where it's like, oh, hey, that's different, that's unusual. Oh, hey, I remember that thing, I use that thing, or that could be interesting. Uh, but generally speaking, um... It did not feel like there was all that much that just made me scream, oh, oh, this is exactly why we're getting Splatoon 3. You know, it's like there wasn't some gigantic leap forward in content or anything like that. I mean, it's more nuanced stuff. I mean, there's some newer Salmon Run modes and stuff like that. Uh, there's going to be new characters that do the, uh, the, the stage rotation rundown and stuff like that. But, um, and, and there's going to be some new Amiibos in, um, I can't remember if it was December or if it was just later this year, but those are going to be neat. They look 
they look pretty cool from what we've seen so far. But I mean, just in general, I I I get the feeling that Splatoon three was adversely affected by, of all things, the semiconductor shortage and the pandemic. And here's why. You know, there isn't a dramatic amount of difference from I from what I can see just from watching this direct and seeing the gameplay and stuff like that. There's not a lot that really screams like it's a next generation upgrade, if you will, uh, to Splatoon 2. It's not like a gigantic step forward. And I, I suppose saying next gen is kind of like a preview to where I was going. Um, basically, I get the feeling this was supposed to be on the Switch 2 or the Switch Pro or however you want to call it before the pandemic hit. And the semiconductor shortage hit, which, I, quite frankly, I think that threw off a lot of plans at Nintendo. Um, I, I'm thinking that maybe we would have gotten the Switch 2, Switch Pro, whatever it is by now. Uh, if not for, you know, the 1-2 combo of the pandemic and the semiconductor shortage. And I feel like this was supposed to be like one of those early launch window titles. And because of everything getting so massively fucked up because of the pandemic and the semiconductor shortage. Uh, they just basically said, okay, fuck it, we're just going to release this in September of 2022 on the Switch. The regular Switch. But it's like, everything about this just feels like there's not enough of a step forward from the second game to kind of justify its existence on the same platform. So I think maybe they scaled things back a bit just to make it, you know, run on the Switch. And um, and now they are just releasing it on, st on standard Switch. Um, but like I said, I don't think it looks bad or anything like that. But I'm not seeing a lot, at least from the trailer, where I just felt this insane urge to, you know, run out, pick it up on day one. I mean, you know, it's a franchise I like. It's a franchise I've had a lot of fun with. So there is that temptation there anyways, just because of the name on the box. But it's less to do with what they're showing and more to do with just the franchise itself. Um, I was hoping what they were going to do with, like, the, uh, the single-player mode is... Uh, I was hoping they were going to recreate the online experience offline, but with bots. And the reason why I was hoping that is because... I feel like portable mode is the weakest area for Splatoon 2. You know, if you are playing offline, all you can really do is the story mode, the single-player campaign, which is basically just a glorified training mission with story cutscenes to uh, string you along. And I was really hoping that this game was going to fix that so you can, you know, sit, you know, sit poolside and... Uh, <laughs> and play Splatoon 3 against a couple of AI bots or something like that. You know, I thought that would have been a great approach, something that would... That, you know, going back to what we were saying, or what I was saying a few moments ago, is like, that would have been the major difference from Splatoon 2 to Splatoon 3 that, to me, would justify its existence on the same platform as Splatoon 2. And instead, we are just getting, you know, a regular story mode. It's going to basically serve as training for, you know, the online modes, which they 
flat out said in the <laughs> Splatoon 3 Direct, and talk talk about being direct, um, and um, I mean, it's, I'm interested, but it's not like Splatoon 2 was all that much of a step forward from Splatoon 1 in many ways. I mean, the, the single-player campaigns were okay, but all it did was make me want to just, you know, jump online and play turf mode. And, um, you know, it's, you know, we'll have to see where they go with it. I'm sure the boss fights are going to be excellent because they were excellent in the previous two games. But, um, you know, there's just something missing there for me. And I think that reinvention of the single-player mode is exactly what I was hoping for and what I didn't get. Um, one last uh, piece of uh, big news, I guess you'd say, for Splatoon 3 is the fact that there's going to be apparently two years' worth of content for some sort of like a major... And I, this is my terminology. I can't remember exactly what they used in the, uh, in the Direct. Uh, but basically some sort of a massive expansion pass... Uh, for Splatoon 3, and I guess it's going to add... Um, well, actually, I was going to say it was going to add new stages, but it seems like they said something in the Direct about new stages being added for free through um, regular updates. So I guess there's a big question mark about what this content is really going to be. Uh, I mean, I know they have a lot of new weapons, a lot of new clothes and stuff like that, some customizable elements to it. And they're going to have, like, new item catalogs every three months or something like that through the end of 2024, I guess it is. Or around around uh, two, the two-year mark, I guess I should say. Um, but, uh, you know, there's... I mean, there's just not enough that's really screaming at me that this is going to be, you know, the next big thing. It just seems like it's more Splatoon rather than really taking the franchise all that far forward. Um, but those are my thoughts on the Direct, and um, we'll have to see how Splatoon does. Uh, it's coming out about a month to the day, actually. I think it's coming out September 9th. So, uh, not long to go until we get our hands on it. And, uh, if you're curious about it, check out the Splatoon 3 Direct. It's on YouTube. It's about a half an hour, like I said. Um, and it's, it's very well done, very well produced. Can't fault Nintendo for that. I mean, I prefer live shows, but, you know, the way Nintendo does its directs is, it's like, they're so polished, it's hard, it's, it's hard to argue with it. Well, anyways, moving on. Finally, finally, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is out of licensing hell, and it is coming back as an arcade one-up cabinet. And this is this is pretty interesting, because there's been a campaign over the last several months, and maybe about a year or so, to free MVC2, which is basically, you know, the uh, one of the best, biggest, most played, most most beloved fighting games of all time. It's the three-on-three Marvel vs. Capcom slugfest from the Dreamcast and the PS2 and the original Xbox, and uh, it also got re-released on PS3 and uh, Xbox 360. And um, 
ever since then, people have been wanting to have these games back. And Arcade 1-Up is the one that actually got the jump on it. And so basically, this cabinet, I believe, is going to have leaderboards, maybe for scores, I guess. And um, it's also going to have online play, which is very, very cool. I don't know that it's going to be rollback netcode, so, uh, you know, you might need to stick to uh, Dragon Ball Fighters on next-gen consoles for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was something else from Evo. A lot of shit's getting rollback netcode, and you gotta love it. But anyways... So here's what's going to be included along with it. And basically, this is kind of like a greatest hits of the Marvel vs. Capcom cabinets, the previous Marvel vs. Capcom cabinets, um, save for like the inclusion of like the Punisher and... Hmm, I can't remember what the other one was on the Marvel superheroes one. But essentially, it is going to have the lineup of Marvel vs. Capcom 1, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Marvel, ver- uh, Marvel Super Heroes vs. Street Fighter. That wasn't on the one that I have, the uh, X-Men vs. Street Fighter cabinet. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marvel Super Heroes, X-Men Children of the Atom, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse, and Marvel Super Heroes in War of the Gems. So, I mean, that's a great, great lineup of Capcom fighting games. And um, I got to tell you, you know, every time I think I'm out of the arcade one-up game, here they come to pull me back in. I don't know where the fuck I'm going to put it, though. <sighs> of course, and we don't know about the price on this yet either, but the cabinet itself looks really nice. Uh, it has that uh, red, green, and blue button layout. So it, it's it's snazzy looking, let me tell you. And uh, people were not all that surprised to uh, see that the MVC2 cabinet was coming from Arcade 1-Up, to be honest, because Gamefly, I believe it was, actually leaked the existence of it, as well as two other highly anticipated cabinets, I guess you'd say, or at the very least one highly anticipated cabinet, and the other is like, well, I'm surprised, but we'll take it. And that being NFL Blitz and Time Crisis. Sean, you uh, need to make some room in your house. (laughs) Uh, Basically, um, you know, Gamefly apparently leaked the existence of these uh, a few weeks ago, and MVC2 was on there as well. And I know NFL Blitz has been one of those like highly requested cabinets, but it's, it's interesting because now they're starting to get into more of the 3D games. Um, you know, like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, that had 3D backgrounds, if I remember correctly. It was like 3D backgrounds with 2D sprites. And um, now with NFL Blitz, that was like fully 3D, if I recall correctly. And uh, in Time Crisis, that's a light gun game. And, of course, they did uh, Terminator 2 as a light gun cabinet. And they've also done Big Buck Hunter, I guess it is. Um, not as much a fan as of the uh, hunting games. But, um, but yeah, apparently we are still waiting on confirmation for those because I haven't seen anything about it yet. And I figured the Internet would have lost its shit over both of those. <laughs> but um, definitely keep your... Eyes peeled for that because, I mean, like I said, apparently they leaked MVC2 getting a cabinet a few weeks early. 
And uh, here's NFL Blitz and Time Crisis alongside of it. So uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, moving on, uh, apparently there might not be too much more of a future for the relationship between limited run games and Best Buy. Uh, Josh Fairhurst, I believe, I can't remember if he's the owner. I mean, he's one of the high ups at Limited Run, obviously. I mean, it's in his Twitter handle, at Limited Run Josh. <laughs> um, he basically said in this reply about the... I want to say is the Blood Rain revamped uh, physical releases. Uh, he said, quote, There are not many games that were sold this year that are going to Best Buy outside of Castlevania Requiem and Contra. We're actually scaling back our relationship with Best Buy after some issues we've experienced, so I wouldn't expect much there at all in the future. Or in future, I should say. I added the the in there, so maybe I'm just correcting this grammar. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's kind of a disappointment because, you know, Best Buy has really, you know, given some new life to uh, to some of the hopes and dreams of people who missed out on the uh, one month pre order windows on some games. <laughs> oh God, it's it, it's hard to keep up with all the limited run stuff, but um, uh, apparently. It's uh, it's apparently winding down, so I hope, you know, because they're also doing the distribution for uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge, that uh, maybe this is going to open them up for working with more retailers. I'd love to see their games in, you know, places like Walmart and stuff like that. Um, this is kind of one of those time-will-tell things, but I know Limited Run just dropped a bunch of games on Best Buy. As a matter of fact, I'll be uh, talking about two of them when we get to pickups. Um, but uh, that's kind of disappointing because they've been a great way to pick up some of the limited run titles I missed out on just because, you know, didn't have the opportunity or didn't have the funds when the windows were open. Uh, the pre-order windows, I should say. But, um, oh well. We'll just have to see what happens in the future. Now, moving on to uh, one of my uh, favorite forms of entertainment, that being pro wrestling. We have the confirmation, or rather the announcement, of WWE 2K23. And basically, that's about all we have, <laughs> is the announcement of 2K23, because we don't have any other details on it at this point. But it's coming, so that's a good sign, because as some of you may remember from the uh, wrestling episode I did... Uh, I talked about 2K having to flat-out cancel 2K21, WWE 2K21, I should say, uh, due to there being just a massive amount of glitches and stuff like that with 2K20 uh, the year before that. And 2K22 has essentially saved the WWE 2K franchise from, I guess, departing in the and uh, ending up in the hands of EA. Apparently there were some talks about that uh, prior to the release of 2K22. And um, so that's a good sign. Things are on the mend, and I haven't played 2K22 yet. I need to get around to correcting that, to be honest. Um, well, 
One thing you uh, might not be able to play when it comes to WWE 2K is some of the games from yesteryear, because 2K has quietly delisted digitally WWE 2K 2017, 2K18, 2K19, and 2K20. From PSN, the Xbox Store, Steam, and in the case of 2K20, uh, 2K18, excuse me, uh, the Switch eShop. So this does not affect like 2K Battlegrounds. So there is still a WWE game on the Switch. Uh, it's just not um, mind-blowing, I guess you'd say. Um, so, yeah, if you've missed out on any of those games, you are going to have to go the physical route. And I guess in the case of Steam, you are completely shit out of luck, because I don't know that they sold physical copies of the PC version. Uh, well, shit. So, I'm not sure if they delisted any of the DLC for these games or not, I forgot to check on that, uh, but if the games themselves are gone, odds are the DLC probably is too, if I had to guess. So, um, well, it had a good run, let me tell you. I, um, I really enjoyed, uh, 2K17 and, uh, 2K19. Those were really good games. Now... Moving on, we have news on yet another wrestling game, that being AEW Fight Forever. And apparently it is coming in 2022. And we have confirmed consoles for it, including the PS5, the Xbox Series, the PS4, the Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, there is going to be a Switch version, and PC. And if you aren't getting nostalgic yet, over this uh, title developed by Ukes, uh, it is going to be distributed by THQ Nordic. Gotta love it. And they showed off some new screenshots and some more of the roster. I believe CM Punk got confirmed, Jade Cargill, and surprisingly, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling's Yuka Sakazaki, Yuka Sakazaki, Yuka Sakazaki! And immediately, I had two reactions. Hot damn, Yuka's in this, and... Holy shit, does that open the door for more Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling Joshi? <laughs> could that mean, could that fucking mean Maki Ito is going to be in this? Is it, is it possible? <laughs> oh, man. So, um, obviously, I, I get very excited when it comes to Japanese pro wrestling in the uh, United States because there's not a lot to really cheer about. But, um... Some more details were shown off for the game. It's going to have, like, a story mode of sorts. And it's actually going to have mini-games, like uh, baseball in the stadium stampede mode type thing. It's like some weird arcade baseball game. And, <laughs> I mean, they showed, like, a litany of, of these different mini-games, and I forgot to make a list of all of them. This is the baseball one that really stuck out to me. Maybe it's just the uh, time of the year. Uh, but one mode that was also confirmed for it is the Barbed Wire Deathmatch. Now, if you're thinking AEW and Barbed Wire Deathmatch, you're probably thinking about the uh, crappy little sparklers coming out from the turnbuckle posts and uh, anything but a uh, terrifying explosion like you see in the uh, old FMW uh, Japanese Deathmatch footage. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's looking really good. Um I'm curious to see how the Switch version comes out. You know, see what kind of shape that's in. 
but uh, it's going to have intergender matches. So, um, like in the original trailer, they showed off, I think it was Kenny Omega versus Hikaru Shida. So, um, that's going to be interesting. Um, and apparently, I think the plan is to add more content as uh, time goes on through updates. So, maybe they're going to take like the fighting game approach and you know, gradually patch things and uh, add to it. I mean, that's what I'm guessing, but we'll have to wait and see. But um, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how this one turns out. I'm really looking forward to this. Well, that will do it for collecting news. And since it's been a couple of weeks, I wanted to catch up on some of the more prominent new releases over the last, uh, I guess it was about three weeks or so. And perhaps the most prominent one, I'd say, is Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, that has been getting very, very good reviews. Um, I think it's I think it's got like about a 140 or 150 hour campaign, which is just kind of mind-blowing to me. Uh, it's, it's like... I mean, I've been working my way through Neo The World Ends With You, and that's supposed to be like a 35 or 40-hour game, and I'm at hour 65 plus. And, um, yeah, and I'm still I'm still not done with it yet. I still have probably 10 or more hours to go, at least. Of course, I've been getting a little bit more uh, collection-heavy with that one, and perfectionistic. Gotta get all the pins, gotta get all the pins. But, um, you know, that's, uh, I mean, that is looking really good. And that's supposed to end, like, the trilogy of the Xenoblade Chronicles games for now, but it's not supposed to end the series overall. That's my understanding. And, um, you know, that's one of those games where it's like, I'm, I know I'm going to pick it up. I should probably do it sooner rather than later because Xenoblade Chronicles 2 uh, got pretty rare there. Um, not too long after launch, to tell you the truth. Seemed like it hovered around for maybe like the first six months or a year or something like that. Then it just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. And, uh, oh, don't even get me started on the uh, the Golden Country uh, standalone game. Yeah, that, that thing got expensive pretty quick. Uh, let's see, another one, another noteworthy RPG was Live Alive, which uh, was also greeted with very warm reviews. Um, that has like several, I think it's like eight different mini stories that tie together and it like goes like all the way, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. It's like goes all the way through like several centuries. Like it goes from like the Wild West all the way up to like the future, like, you know, space traveling future type stuff and um you know again a lot of people are very very high on this title and it's not hard to understand why it was actually a classic over in japan on the super nintendo uh that just never saw the light of day over here which is kind of surprising because it seems like a lot of square enix stuff ended up over here or excuse me square soft stuff <laughs> um but yeah, that's um, that's definitely worth picking up as well. It's actually like ten dollars cheaper than Xenoblade Chronicles Three, and I don't know how long that one is. But you know, I love the approach of having you know all these different little shorter stories in like an epic length RPG. 
It's like, like I said, I was, I've been playing Neo The World Ends With You, and it's like, the game is separated into days. So it's like, it's like chapters in the game, but it's more like episodes of an anime where it's like, oh, you're playing this, like, shorter, you know, maybe two or three hour section of the game, and then you can finish that up, and then you're on to the next, the next uh, day and the next mission and stuff like that. So it's like, there's kind of like good dividers between each section of the game. And I think that approach is, like, severely underrated. I remembered with um, uh, Fantasy Star Universe, which was not all that well-received as a game, but actually I really enjoyed it. And I, I think I got almost all the way to the end, and I never finished it up for some reason. And um, it's like, that took the approach of, like, a season of an anime. It's like, every time you finished a chapter, it would play the intro video the, the <laughs> it would play the op for the fantasy star universe game show type thing and then it would give you this you know this shorter section of the game to focus on this shorter section of the story and it's like I, ever since then i've always thought this is a great way to approach the epic length rpgs rather than something that is just going and 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 going uh, you know, it's like it breaks it down into uh, more palatable, shorter chunks. And I, I've always wondered why more games don't do that. And I guess now we're starting to see, uh, I guess, maybe like a comeback of that approach of sorts. And uh, Live Alive is one of the games that I believe is like that. I think you can play it in any order, but I could be wrong. Don't hold me to it. Uh, now, another game that has come out that is uh, getting some interesting reviews. It's kind of like hit or miss. I think the PC version had some issues with it. Uh, is Digimon Survive. And try to act surprised when I tell you that the uh, physical version on the Switch has been somewhat scarce. Um, I've been waiting on my copy of it for well over a week. And uh, I have not seen any sort of major update on it they're still waiting to get their hands on it and um this is basically a visual novel meets i want to say like an, a slightly easier than usual strategy rpg don't hold me to it um but you know the reviews for this have been really good apparently it's you know it gives you a real kick in the soul at some point um but uh, you know, I, I've heard, you know, largely good things about it. Uh, you might need to be careful about listening to certain conversations before you listen to others or something like that. Because I've heard some people say that, oh, they talked to this one person and then they're talking about stuff that the characters would not know until this, until you talk to another character over here or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't played it yet. So I don't know exactly what they're talking about. So... Uh, that's a, you know, that's a little disappointing, but it's stuff that can be patched, you know, eh, whatever. Now, there's also uh, new content for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the Booster Pass. This being Wave 2, which released on August 4th, just a few days ago, and I actually managed to play with several of my wonderful Twitter friends, and let me tell you, I was having a really shit weekend because of, you know, all the problems I was having migrating the show. 
And I mean, I, it was just, I mean, I've always had a little bit of a spicy temper, but man, I was in rare form, you know, trying to migrate the show. So I really needed to have a good, a good experience, a good night, a good night of fun and leave it to a bunch of my Twitter friends and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe to, uh, completely salvage my weekend. And, um... I was even playing with uh, a friend of mine, Digo at Digo sixty four, on Twitter. Uh, I was playing with him and his seven year old daughter, <laughs> and she kicked both of our asses. Uh, I mean, let me tell you. I mean, it was a lot of fun. The new courses are really good. You have the uh, you have two new cups: the Turnip Cup and the Propeller Cup. And uh, the Turnip Cup has. Uh, New York Minute from Mario Kart Tour, which is, it's kind of a weird course. It's like one of these ever-evolving ones, and I feel like there's like a noticeable dip in quality between the courses in Tour and the courses that are from the other games and just made specifically for Mario Kart 8. You know, it's like there's just such a difference there in the overall quality. But, um... I mean, that that course kind of slowly won me over a bit. Um, and uh, the next one up is uh, Mario Kart, uh, Mario Circuit 3, excuse me, from the Super Nintendo game. And, I mean, that's just, it's, it's good fun. It's good fun. And um, next up is Calamari Desert. I, I'm surprised they don't call it Calamario Desert. I mean, even as a kid, I thought, why aren't they calling it Calamario Desert? Anyways, and uh, they've made some crazy changes to that because on lap two, this ramp kind of sprouts out of the ground near the second railroad crossing, and it shifts off to the left, and the second lap basically takes place on the railroad tracks, and the train's coming at you repeatedly and stuff like that, so it's it's pretty neat. I mean, it, it the purist in me is like, that's not how it's supposed to be. But at the same point, it's also a fun experience because, let's be honest here, everybody that played that course, they rode around on the railroad tracks. So you might as well incorporate it. And uh, the last up for the Turnip Cup was uh, Waluigi Pinball from the DS, and that's really, really good too. Um, then for the Propeller Cup, they added the Sydney Sprint from Mario Kart Tour, which is actually, that, that's one tour course that I actually like. That, that's really good. Uh, Paris isn't bad either. Um, Tokyo is okay too, but I, I prefer Paris of the two, which is ironic because I actually prefer Tokyo if I had to choose between the two. Um, but uh, the Sydney Sprint, that's, you know, beautiful, bright, you know, blue sky, you know, water, uh, you know, because it's seaside, because Sydney's, you know, on the water. Uh, great course. Um they added. Uh, they also added uh, Snowland from uh, Toadstool Tour. Was it? No, wait. That wait. That was Mario Golf. Uh, whatever the GBA one was. Uh, they added that. They added Mushroom Gorge, which I think was from the Wii. Don't hold me to that. And then last was Sky High Sunday, and I'm kind of uncertain where that one comes from. I'm not sure if that's an entirely original course or if I just didn't play the game it came from. So, 
I mean, there's a couple of Mario Kart games in there that I really didn't play all that much. You know, it's like right around uh, Double Dash through, uh, I guess, Mario Kart DS or Mario Kart 7, where it's like that's when, that's around the time my Mario Kart interest kind of started coming back a bit. But I really didn't spend much time with the uh, Wii version, so if that's from that, forgive me. I, I try to try to know all this stuff, and sometimes I don't. That will pretty much do it for new releases. So uh, it's time for me to talk about some of the pickups that I had over the last few days or weeks or whatever. And I'm just basically going to subject you to two. And the first of which is the Castlevania Anniversary Collection. Now, remember I told you about titles from Best Buy from uh, Limited Run. And basically, this is one of them. This is kind of like your last non-eBay option for getting the Castlevania Anniversary Collection. So if you've been uh, thinking about whether or not you want to get the uh, physical copy of this, it's uh, now or never, basically. <laughs> and, uh, of course, I, I really didn't spend much time with this one, but it's... Um, I mean, what I've played of it is excellent. The games included are, like, all-time greats. I, I want to say it's like Castlevania 1, 2, 3, uh, Super Castlevania 4. Four, uh, Kid Dracula, and several several others. I forgot to make the uh, the list of it, but basically, if you haven't already bought the game for like five bucks digitally when it's been on sale numerous times, uh, now is probably the opportunity to uh, grab a physical copy, and that way you will have it forever. And um, the other title, and this is another one I really didn't have, I didn't really spend too much time with. Uh, yet, at least, is Ruby Grim Eclipse Definitive Edition. And this is, again, another limited-run Best Buy title. And my understanding is that this started out as a fan game, and then Rooster Teeth were like, okay, you know what, we'll give you the license on this, we'll kind of fund it a little bit more so you can do more with it. And it basically uh, ended up getting a release on previous generation consoles like ps4 i think i think it was ps4 and um i think released on steam as well and stuff like that and uh the game makes an interesting first impression first of all it takes for fucking ever to load up to the main menu i mean we're talking i'm sitting there for it felt like a minute or two waiting for the game to load it might have been a minute or two i didn't time it or anything but it felt like it and um, then it just, you know, pops up the main menu. It's uh, kind of a no-frills, you know, it, it, it does kind of reek of a fan game kind of main menu. Uh, it's got the, uh, the world in the background, you know, the stage in the background. And then when you start the story, uh, basically you pick your character, you pick your stage and difficulty level, and then you hit the start button, and I guess it loads up for a moment or two, and then it just drops you right into the game. And that's it. And it, I mean, occasionally you get a, you know, like an audio-only cutscene, but as far as I can tell, no tutorial, no opening cutscene to explain what the fuck is going on with the story, nothing. You just wander around and you figure out what button does which. And you beat the crap out of vases that are, like, gigantic. And then you occasionally fight some Grimm, the uh, monsters from Ruby. And uh, that's 
basically it. I mean, it's I mean, it's about as it's about as close to glorified fan game as it gets, I guess you'd say, while still being a major retail product because it's in Best Buy for God's sake. I mean, I mean that's basically been my my pickups lately as far as games go. Um I mean, it's been a relatively uh subdued couple of weeks, I guess you'd say, for uh video game pickups. But um I guess that is going to do it for both my pickups and impressions and for this episode of FOMO Mofo. And I would like to thank you for listening to the show. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platforms of choice. We are now on anchor.fm slash FOMOZAMOFO. And you can subscribe there. And if you are currently subscribed on some other platform, hopefully if I did everything right, you're not going to notice anything at all. There's not going to be any sort of difference for you. You won't have to resubscribe or anything. Uh, Hopefully. Keep your fingers crossed. But you can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Deezer, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, CastBox, and GeoSavon. And if you're so inclined, please be sure to leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and uh, follow the show on Anchor.fm. You can follow FOMO's Amofo on Twitter at FOMO's Amofo, and I will keep you up to date with as many news stories as I can come across. Well, that'll do it for the show, everybody. Have a great week, and happy collecting, everyone. Peace. <laughs>